weather today in the greater... You just heard the 40 most popular records determined by Billboard magazine for the weekend... Weekend... 1978. American Top 40 is produced... Star Wars posters at Burger Chef. That's right. Four posters featuring the stars of Star Wars are at Burger Chef. <laughs> We'd like a Star Wars poster, please. R2, it's our lucky day. It's us. Just buy a large serving of Coca-Cola for 49 cents at participating Burger Chefs, and a Star Wars poster is yours to control. There are four spectacular full-color Star Wars posters in all. So start your collection today. Artu, I think we'd better leave. Star Wars posters, only at Burger Chef, while supplies last. Stay tuned for Casablanca's radio special, The Kiss Albums, featuring Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley and Peter Chris coming up after these messages. A report on the future. In 50 years, we'll be wearing different clothes and driving different cars. But human nature will prevail and we'll still be flicking our bicks. You can count on the flick of the bick. Mr. Roberts, I quit. I'll type your letters. I'll even get you coffee. But I will not flick your bick. You're listening to KISS, Los Angeles. The Kiss Albums, won by each of the four Kiss stars, a milestone in music history. Paul Stanley. Gene Simmons. Welcome to the KISS Radio Special. I'm your host, David Wills. KISS, the solo albums, brought to you by Casablanca Records and Tapes. 
KISS has made a career out of breaking the mold, and they're doing it again. Only a band as crazy as KISS could do this. Four solo albums, The KISS Albums, featuring Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, and Peter Chris. Today, we're interviewing each member of KISS. And now we're going to talk to Gene Simmons, the fire-breathing, blood-spitting member of KISS, who will show you some different sides to his persona, as well as some different sounds. Is this album going to show us a Gene Simmons we've never seen before? Um, I think it's a great question. And initially, I was going to title the album Man of a Thousand Faces, and then all four of us decided and agreed that each one of the albums was going to be called Kiss and the name of the group member to show everybody that we, we are certainly not breaking up and that we're getting along better than we ever have before and that, you know, we're just doing this just to show everybody that you can do, that we can do anything we want to do. And um, the big secret about these songs is that I've been writing these songs all along. And in fact, on the album, I'm not playing bass at all. The bass player is a name, is a guy, is a name whose man is, is a guy whose name is uh, Neil Jason. And I'm playing all the electric and the acoustic guitars on the album. In fact, when I do demos, I, I play the drums and keyboards and bass and guitars. Most people are aware of Gene Simmons uh, simply as the winner, uh, two years in running, of the circus bass player's pole. You know, just weird stuff like that. I'm not humble. You won't find me humble at all. Um, so I think it's an album about me. I think since the album is called Kiss Gene Simmons, it's a song. It, it's songs and an album about me. Just a one time. 
Jean, can you give us a little hint about what we'll hear? In early April, I went over to England uh, to a place called the Manor, which is where the basic tracks were done. Initially, there were going to be a whole... It was going to be, you know, the cavalcade of stars kind of thing. And then I thought, and then figured out that it would probably get in the way of getting the album across as lyrically and musically. You know, you'd be just blinded by these stellar kind of personalities. But as it stands now, the first song is radioactive, and you've got uh, Joe Perry of Aerosmith doing some guitar embellishments. Um... Bob Seger is singing the chorus with me. Then on the second song, Burning Up With Fever, Donna Summer is singing the chorus. Jeff Baxter from the Doobie Brothers is doing some guitar. Elliot Randall is doing some other stuff. Third song uh, was called See You Tonight, which is a kind of a Beatlesque song. And to that end, Paul McCartney was supposed to be on the album. He is not. I know people thought he was. So I got the next best thing, the guys from Beatlemania. Mitch Weissman and Joe Pecorino, who look and sound just like John and Paul. The next song, Tunnel of Love, uh, has basically me, and let me see, Tunnel, yeah, everything is basically me with lots of people. I, I don't think that you've heard of doing uh, chorus stuff. Uh, the lead guitar is Richie Rannell from a group called Stars, who just happened by one day and said, what does that sound like? I said, I don't know, give it a give it a try. And the last song is True Confessions with uh, the Azusa, California, Citrus College Chorale under the direction of Ben Bollinger, which is a 40-piece, 40-member uh, uh, college group of kids that just have these kind of angelic voices. They, they are joined on True Confessions by Helen Reddy, singing right along with everybody else. The second side of the album starts off with Living in Sin at the Holiday Inn. And Living in Sin has got uh, uh, Gene Simmons and Bob Seger singing the choruses. And Cher is the groupie that calls on the telephone and says, Is this Gene Simmons? I can't believe it. And then on uh, Always Near You, Nowhere to Hide, is Elliot Randall doing some guitar. Basically the guitars of myself, however. Uh, the guys from Beatlemania, Mitch Weissman, Joe Pecorino, doing oohs and ahs. And let's see what else. Oh, and then on the end, on the, on the fade, is the Azusa California Citrus College Chorale under the direction of Ben Bollinger. I promise to get his name in there every time. Uh, the song after that is Man of a Thousand Faces, which is me uh, playing guitar and then doing all the vocals with members of the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra. The song after that is Mr. Make Believe with... Uh, Mitch and Joe from Beatlemania doing ooze, you know, sounding like the Beatles, with me. And uh, again, the Los Angeles Philharmonic is on there. The members of, I promise to make that distinction, because it's not the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra, it's the members of the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra. 
Um, Skunk Baxter is doing some stuff on there, some guitar all the way at the end. Song after that is See You In Your Dreams, which was recorded by Kiss once before on Rock and Roll Over, and I didn't like the way we did it. We were just, you know, always harried for time. Harry, Ozzy and harried for time. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, the solo is done by Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, who nobody knows can play guitar like that. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, the guy sounds like Page, the best Page you ever heard. Page 9, Page 10. Uh, also singing on the thing is Michael DeBar from a group called Detective. And uh, the last song is obviously When You Wish Upon a Star with members of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra on That is an impressive lineup of guest stars. Gene, after working with so many different artists, how will it be working with KISS again? Yeah, except you have to realize that recording with KISS was, I mean, a thing all to all onto itself. Did that sound right? Yeah. When you're, do, when you're doing consistent tours for five and six years, the only time we had off, vacation time, this is our first real vacation. We're taking a year off, and in that year we're putting on four solo albums, plus there's going to be a double Kiss album coming out next summer that nobody knows about, all original material. There's more Kiss stuff now than people have ever seen before, and yet we're taking a year off from touring so that we can do this stuff right. We've always been capable of doing different kinds of material, as witnessed by Peter as early as Beth, and uh, Paul's song, Hard Luck Woman, which is an old song. But we never really wanted to uh, bring that out because, you know, we were we were building something. We were building a, a personality, a sound, a concept to the to our group that was very important to us. And we wanted to get it to the point where we'd have enough fans and enough people that believed in us so that we could go. We, you know, we could kind of have this understanding between each other. You guys, as our fans. You guys and girls as our fans, trust us. Expect only the best, you know, the best, the best from us. And once, once you know that we're going to be putting out really interesting, different kinds of stuff, we'll do it. Gene, some of the songs in your album are very right for Kiss. Do you think you might incorporate some of them into the Kiss show? Sure. Uh, we're not going to be touring for another year and. Oh, God, at least another year, next summer. And the purpose of the solo albums was not so much uh, let's think to add some more songs to the KISS repertoire. That's a big word, repertoire. But, uh, I mean, the purpose really of it was to let every, everybody in the band a chance to stretch and do all the things that everybody's always wanted to do, but never did because of self-imposed restrictions. Nobody ever told us, you know, you're not supposed to do anything except play guitar and you know and grunt and growl and talk about strutters and songs like that. 
which are a lot of fun, and we've, you know, we've always loved to do that kind of stuff. And it's the best kind of stuff to do live. But, uh, I mean, all along we've imposed restrictions on ourselves, on ourselves, because we've always wanted to be easily accessible. We didn't want to be one of those bands that you sat down and heard a nice song and then tried to figure out what the hell the lyric was all about, you know, when you hear about butterflies flying through the center of your mind and try to figure out what that's got to do with anything. And we certainly didn't want to be the kind of band that, we, that we're saying, oh, the times, they're changing and the world's terrible. And, you know, and you pay seven ninety-eight to see this guy on stage saying miserable things about life. I don't want to pay to be either insulted or brought down. We're certainly nobody that... Uh, I'm nobody that should tell you what to, what to do, how to dress, what to think, you know, or even who to vote for, any of that stuff. So the only, the, only, the only thing any entertainer can hope to do is to provide some, you know, decent escapism. Here is the new hit off of the KISS album, Gene Simmons. The song is called Radioactive. Gene Simmons of KISS. You're listening to Casablanca's radio special, The KISS Albums, featuring Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, and Peter Chris. We'll return right after these messages. Pick is the name of my butane. I love to pick. It's a pendable flag. Hey, hey. 
my son. To join us, you must give up all worldly pleasures. Oh, what about flicking your big? Give up flicking your big? Me? My son, we are devoted, but we are not crazy. You can count on the flick. Hello, this is Sandra from Hollywood. You'll never guess which leading man was seen flicking his bick for a rising young starlet. Keep flicking, Johnny. Keep flicking. Of all the lighters you can pick, there's only one that's called a bick. You can count on the flick. You're listening to KISS, Los Angeles. Welcome back to the KISS Albums Radio Special. Next up, we'll speak to Paul Stanley, the star child. The ringleader of rock brings us his solo album with rock tunes as only he can. been performing as Kiss for so long. How did you first feel at the idea of performing on your own? Well, I guess first there's there's a, a certain amount of trepidation. You know, you're a little scared about it because um, working in a group situation is, is actually kind of like being married because you know your partner's moves after a while and you're very secure within the... the um, world that you build up between the two of you or the four of you. In the case of the band, it's four, you know, the four of us. So the idea of going out and playing with other people was, was pretty much a challenge. It was, uh, I don't know, I looked to it uh, as pretty exciting initially because I'd get a chance to see just what I was capable of. Yeah. 
This album, how easy is it to recognize the Paul Stanley we know and love? Well, I guess tremendously. You know, what I wanted to do was be much more diverse in what I was doing on the album. At the same time, not come across like um, I was selling out or um, I was doing different types of music to show what I was capable of. That. That was the last thing I wanted to do with the record. Um, you know, I, I didn't want people to to get the idea I was trying to show I've matured, you know, because maturity is like a dangerous word, you know. What I wanted to do more was just do things that I've always done but never done on record, you know. So um, sing more, do some more melodic singing, which doesn't even mean soft singing, you know, it just means uh, more emphasis on melody, and um, I don't know, I think uh, I've done a lot, you know, to, to broaden my uh, scope, and I think everybody that's ever been into us is going to enjoy it, but then on top of that, I think there's a, a whole new audience. Who were the other musicians on your album? Um, well, the one person that I've used on everything besides myself is Bob Kulik, who, um, who's been a friend of mine for about six years. Actually, he tried out for Kiss. And uh, right now he's in Meatloaf. And um, he, before that, did a tour with Alice Cooper and... Um, was in Lou Reed's group. He's a, he's a great guitar player. And uh, I used him on everything. I used, uh, on a couple of cuts, the bass player from Meatloaf, Steve Buslow. 
and um, on a couple of cuts I used Richie Fontana who used to be in Piper I used him on drums on some other cuts I used a guy Eric Nelson on bass who plays with Nick Gilder now and um, I used uh, Craig Cramp who's a drummer for Nick Gilder now he used to be in Flo and Eddie and uh, before that he was in the Robs I used him on some stuff and uh, then on some other stuff one track I, I had Carmine play on and um, a friend of mine Pepe Castro sang with me on some of the stuff Pepe was in the Blues Magoo and he's doing some great stuff out here now in LA and um, a friend of his Doug Gling Katsaros great name he's uh, plays piano and sings on some stuff how did it feel to sit down with a new bunch of musicians? Well, Bob and I have been working together for about five or six years. I've been fooling around playing with Bob since I've known him. And uh, um, he and I play very, very well together. So he knows exactly the way I think. So that was easy. Still, to walk, still to walk into a studio and see a whole different band than the guys I'm used to is is very uh, interesting, very strange at first, but um, more what I was looking for was people that were on the same wavelength as I was, so that without too much, you know, talking, I could get them to play what I wanted. Um, I didn't think I should sit down and tell anybody note for note what to play. I thought that I should be able to direct them, but that the um, the ideas had to be similar to begin with. You know, the musicians had to be thinking the same approach as I was. So uh, it was actually very refreshing to work with different people. Very, very, very interesting. And uh, I can only grow from things like that. Do you think the KISS sound will be changed after these individual efforts? Well, at this point, up till now, you know, some, some of the guys have always been more involved in the production than others, just, you know, for whatever reasons. But I think at this point, everybody's grown tremendously with their albums. And the really nice thing about it is that when the albums are all done and each of us hears the other, it's, it's really a great way of saying, hey, this is what I'm about. This is the way I've always heard things, you know. Um, it's like uh, really getting to know somebody even better than you do. So at that point, we can only respect each other that much more, you know, because uh, I don't think any of the albums are going to be a letdown. I think all of them are going to be wonderful albums. Didn't you ever feel these albums could be a threat to Kiss as a whole? Well, we... I think in a way we, we uh, kept ourselves from getting into trouble 
We kept ourselves from getting into trouble by letting ourselves do the solo albums. A lot of groups run into frustrations because they need to get away from each other. They need to create a little on their own. And not given that space to do it, things get a little, you know, edgy, you know. And uh, we all just went off and, and did our thing. Granted, if one of us did it, like in any group, I think it's a different situation, though, with KISS, because in most groups, you don't have four strong personalities. So the guy that usually goes off and does the solo album in a, in a group context is uh, usually the main contributor anyway. So, sure, the other guys feel, hey, he's leaving us, you know, you know, he's getting, he's going to move out soon. Uh, whereas with KISS, we all contribute, and we all have a lot to say. So we all just went off and did our albums. You, it doesn't really apply to most bands because I don't know that uh, the Joe Schmo group uh, could go out and all guys do an album and they would sell. It, it doesn't quite apply. You know, Kiss is an exception. Paul, this is the first time I can remember a band doing solo albums without breaking up. Yeah, that's why it was uh, amazing for months and even still now at some, in some circles. You know, people are talking about, hey, you know, I know the band broke, you know, the band's breaking up or the band broke up. We, we've anything but broken up. It's, um, it's like six years down the line now, you know, and there's not that many groups around that have been together six years, you know, and uh, sure, we go through, through changes and metamorphoses and, you know, we all, Kiss Now is not what Kiss was in 73, but, um, Kiss is a lot more knowledgeable. We've been through more, you know. I see Kiss becoming a, uh, a much more than a legend. Where I want to become a, an institution, you know. I mean, we started this off broke in a, in a one-room rehearsal loft with egg crates on the wall. And we've taken it this far, and uh, I want to see it become exactly that. I want to see an institution. Here is the new smash ballad off of the KISS album, Paul Stanley. Hold me, touch me, think of me when we're apart.
was Paul Stanley of KISS. Casablanca's radio special, The KISS Albums, featuring Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, and Peter Chris. We'll return right after these messages. Don't be alarmed. It's only the death breath of the Dark Lord. Don't be scared. It's only an Imperial cruiser making the jump to light speed. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present... Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Listening to KISS Los Angeles. You're listening to KISS, the solo album's radio special from Casablanca Records and Entertainment. This is David Wills in the studio with KISS. Next up, Peter Chris, the drummer, the man who keeps the heartbeat of KISS in the studio and on the stage. Peter and KISS surprised the world when they recorded Beth on their Destroyer album. 
Peter Chris continues to surprise folks with his new album. And here he is, Peter Chris. Peter, your album shows a Peter Chris with many different sides. Do you think it will help attract new Kiss converts? Yeah, I think that's why uh, our manager, Bill, did that. You know, it was like maybe the Beatles' White Album or their Sgt. Pepper. You know, it's when they finally showed their versatility. I mean, when Harrison finally broke out and did his thing, and Ringo finally did his thing. Uh, we're doing it now, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to show it. I mean, it's gonna, it's time, man. We've been doing Kiss albums for six years, and uh, now we've got we got to show everybody there's more talent in the band than just that style. And you're right, a lot of kids just dig the show. Half the times, I don't even know if they know what the hell we're singing about or what we're playing about. With Beth, they really listened. I mean, because it did make the top ten. I did want a big award for it. Uh, they're going to listen again now. I think it's going to make our audience bigger. This is a very New York album. Did you plan it that way? <laughs> yeah, well, it is New York. I mean, because I played, I played clubs like Trudy Heller's and Metropole. And I played with Joey D for a while doing the Peppermint Twist. And, uh, there's a song that I do called uh, I Can't Stop the Rain. And I open it up in an echo chamber like I'd be in a subway in New York. And I go, uh... This is New York, and it is very New York. And I did have, I did some tunes in New York City, but I did the rest out here. And what I was afraid of was LA musicians thinking, "Oh man, they're so laid back, and let's take a health salad break." And you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna really get no kick-ass music from them, and they're not gonna play real New York City for me. But I was fooled because Vinnie Poncia, my producer, uh, is from Brooklyn, and he grew up in the streets also, and he got musicians that really played very streetsy, very, very, very New Yorkish, which I needed very bad, because I'm from New York, and I'm proud of it, I'm really from Brooklyn, but... This is New York. Yo. Strange 
How did you like working with Vinnie Poncia? You sound very up about him. Yes, I am. He's, uh, how can I say it? Extremely bright. I mean, one of the brightest. I mean, I've worked with a lot of producers, but uh, he set my drums up in the middle of the studio and set the musicians around me. And he was the only producer I've ever seen, instead of sitting behind the board inside the room, playing it cool, sits outside. And he also arranges, plays every instrument, sings. He sings a lot of the songs you heard, he's singing on them. And uh, he won a Grammy with Leo Sayer. And he, he worked with uh, Richard Perry, who was a genius. And uh, when I met Vinny, and I set up that way, I instantly got respect as, a, as an artist. And he didn't, never told me how to drum. Never once said drum this way because he knew I, you know, what I, he, knew, he, he respected me. Instantly I respected him, you know, and he was like, you could do it, man. Uh, the key's too high, let's try this key. Uh, this song should be sung a little quieter. Why don't you just take it easy? Don't put all your energy in at once. Uh, I'm learning how to run a board differently. We're working side by side. It's a very close relationship. Who were some of the people who performed with you on this album? From New York, there was a guitarist called Elliot Randall, who I worked with in the early days. Elliot's one of the best in New York. There's a lot of them. I can't think of all their names. Uh, there's like uh, Bob Como, who played uh, synthesizer piano, and Richard Gerstein, who played on piano in New York. There's, 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 there's uh, Bill Bodine, who played bass. Uh, I used the Farragut Brothers, who Vinnie worked with on a lot of albums, so Harmony. Uh, three bass players, three piano players, uh, the horns and strings. I've used three black girls in New York, three black girls out here. So it's, uh, there's a lot of people there. It really is. We love such an easy thing Such an easy thing Such an easy thing To lose Such an easy thing to lose 
Peter. You wrote most of the songs, but you did do some that were written by other people, didn't you? The only other song I did from anybody else was Bobby Lewis's Tossin' and Turnin'. And I always liked it because I have insomnia. And I can't sleep at night. And it's true. And, and uh, I related to it. And I used to do it years ago. And I thought of, and Vinny came up with it anyway. And he said, the song has never been done only once. And with your voice and my arrangement, let's redo it, man. And it's a great tune. And, and it is. I love it. You know? I couldn't sleep at all last night. It was so, such, so true, man. And it reminds me of New York. And I did it. And the other tune, uh, You Matter to Me, uh, I don't know who wrote it, but he brought that in for me and rearranged it. It's the only two tunes I'm doing from somebody else. All the rest I've written myself. you classify the sound of this album it's kind of a new york disco rock and roll uh-huh. which hasn't been if you think about it the sound is the sounds have changed so much i mean like now the bgs are in and disco is very big i mean i thought disco would last for a year it's the biggest thing happening and and the song you matter to me is very disco so i, I did it i did disco too only my way it's an old style that we know about that i brought back and to them, it'll be a new sound all over again. I mean, music is a circle. Clothing is a circle. Everything's a circle. It comes back. I want to bring back that era when Sam and Dave, you know, uh, Soul Man, all that Motown was really big then, you know, and Andrew Supremes and the Shangri-Las, and it was really a happening era. And it was good dancing music, and now dancing's back. It must have been a tremendous feeling to let all those ideas in your head come pouring out. Yeah, that says it all. It's true. 
because it's time now. I think it's my time to do that. You know, I've waited and waited, and, and uh, I was eating my heart out because this music was in me so long. I was dying to do it and dying to do it because I know they're going to accept it. I think they're really going to get off on it. I hear you've just finished another exciting project. Yeah, it's it's going to be a it's going to blow minds. My movie's coming out, the uh, NBC two-hour special, which was our first acting debut, which was weird because we never acted before. It was actually dramatic and lines and really getting into characters and all. So that's going to come out and four solo albums. So it's going to be a very heavy month for us. And now and then we're working on we want to do another motion picture. Uh, because it's only going to be TV, we want to do a really movie motion picture and do a soundtrack for it, like Help or A Hard Day's Night. And then we'll probably do a three-month stadium tour next summer. And by then, we'll be a, probably, we haven't been around by then for probably two years, so kids will be dying to hear us. And by hearing these albums, they'll be dying to hear these songs. So that's going to be great. Peter, do you think Kiss is really going to stay together? That's one thing we did at the Beatles then. That's... I think we're maybe the first band ever to do that. Probably, I think we are, to do that. When I don't compare us to the Beatles, because I love the Beatles. I mean, they're my favorite band. But we are a phenomenon, and, and we're the only group that, like the Beatles, sold lunchboxes and radios and buttons and buckles and all that stuff. And no, no other band's done that. And we had the largest show that's ever been put out. And, we do cause insanity and, and kids go crazy, you know, and I haven't seen that since the Beatles. And we're the first New York band to become a supergroup. No New York band has ever become a supergroup, nor sold out the Garden Three Nights. I'm really proud of that, very, very proud of that. And uh, it'll go down in history. I, I, don't, I don't remember any band from New York except for the Rascals, and they weren't even as big as us, but they were great. They weren't a phenomena. Kiss is a phenomenon. I mean, we really are, and I'm proud of it. And, it's scary. I don't like to think about it a lot because it scares me because I don't believe we're that big until I get on the ramp and run up it and hit the stage. You know, like Tokyo, you know, we, we sold out six nights at the Budokan and broke the Beatles records and they didn't even know what we're singing about and they're fainting and going crazy. And it's, it was like, I felt like I was Ringo Starr, actually. And it was a great feeling, you know, especially uh, being from New York, no, usually New York bands don't have a chance, you know, we never did. It's always English groups of the big groups. So I'm really proud of that. I really am. And doing four solo albums and still being in Kiss is, is great. I think it's really going to prove, it's going to blow a lot of minds. It really, really is. Probably more than I even realize. Moving up the charts, it's Peter Chris with Don't You Let Me Down.
The Catman on the KISS Solo Albums Radio Special from Casablanca Records and Entertainment featuring Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, and Peter Chris. We'll return with the last member of KISS we'll speak to today, guitarist Ace Fraley. This is David Wills. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Don't be scared. It's only the Death Star destroying another world. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present... Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. You're listening to KISS Los Angeles. We're back. This is the KISS Radio Special. I'm your host, David Wills. Guitarist Ace Fraley has been described as being from another world. On his new album, Ace shows us that he is ready to step into the spotlight. Here is Ace Fraley.
I know Ace Fraley played a lot of parts on this album. Will you tell us about it? I played lead guitar, rhythm guitar, acoustic guitar, synthesizer, and bass. And I did all the lead vocals and uh, half of the background vocals. Who played drums? Uh, a guy named Anton Fig, who's, as you heard, is pretty uh, incredible. What was it like to play five different instruments on the same song? It's really funny. I, I like to say that when I, I told people that I'm playing every instrument on the record, just about, you know, I'm doing all the vocals and some background vocals to my own voice, and they say, wow, that must be really hard. The reality of the situation is that when you're playing against your own rhythm tracks, you know them better than anybody else does because you're open. And it's, it's really, I find it a lot easier to play against my own re recordings than uh, playing against somebody else's. Because I know exactly what I did prior to the uh, overdub. But it's quite a feat just to master so many instruments. Isn't it difficult to change when you're used to just playing lead guitar? Most accomplished guitar players that can play rhythm and lead can usually play bass without any problem. And I, I was in groups where I used to have to teach you know, the guy had to play bass, you know, couldn't figure it out, so I have to figure it out from, so, you know, I was always very well acquainted with bass guitar. Ace, how do you think your fans will feel about this album? I think it'll expand their views. I, I certainly think I've expanded my musical horizons just a little, you know, on this record. And I think it'll, you know, I hope that, you know, people say, wow, you know, I didn't think he could do this or do that or could sing like that. Because, you know, I, I did a lot of different things with my voice that I've never been able to do up until now. And, you know, I also got a, a couple of interesting guitar sounds I've never, you know, reproduced before on record. So I'm really, really happy with the way it turned out. I can't express the words to tell you about the feelings I got Locked up inside Did you set out to make an album that was very different from what you've done with KISS? Well, I have a, I have a really big guitar collection and a big amplifier collection, all old amplifiers, you know, dating back to the 40s and 50s. And, you know, up until now, you know, whenever we did KISS albums, you know, a lot of times we were on a very hectic schedule, as you very well know, with touring and everything. And a lot of times we didn't have as much time as we wanted to, you know, to, to do records and uh, especially guitar solos, you know. It was always the kind of thing where, all right, come on, you got to do a solo, you know, you have eight hours to do it, or whatever. And that's the way, we'd, you know, we'd whip them out. But, you know, in this case of the solo albums, you know, we took two, I took two months to record it. It was the kind of thing where I brought all my guitars and all my amplifiers to the studio. And, you know, sometimes we just spend the whole day on a, 
guitar solo to get the right sound. I think it shows. Ace. Eddie Kramer has produced for Kiss before. Was it any different working with him on your own? I think uh, it wasn't very different working with Eddie uh, with Kiss as it was with the solo album. It's just that I just saw another side of him and he saw another side of me. You know, we worked a lot closer on this project than we did in the past because it was just me and Eddie. He didn't have to worry about three other guys. It was just me and Eddie basically and, uh, and Anton. Anton supplied the percussion, and I supplied just about everything else. And it was just like the three of us went up to a mansion in Connecticut. We took it over, and uh, we cut all the basic tracks up there. And it was, it was really fun. It was just me and Eddie. We started with rhythm, basic rhythm tracks, just rhythm guitar and drums, and then we started layering everything on top of it. I put the bass on. And then after we got all the basic tracks, we came down to Manhattan at Plaza Sound, and did all the muscle, the guitar solos and the vocals and stuff, synthesizers. So it came out, you know, basically we kept on schedule and everything turned out basically the way we wanted it to. So I really don't have any complaints about the record. How do you feel about writing now that you've really gotten into it? Well, for a while I was very dormant. I think, you know, when, when the Alive One album hit and I was, you know, bogged down with, with traveling and I decided to get married, you know, around that time. And it was so much going on in my life, my creativity kind of went down. And if you check the records, you know, Destroyer or the one after that, I, only, I think I only wrote maybe one song on either of those albums. But uh, this is probably the first project where I really came out of my shell, so to speak. And, uh, you know, wrote all the songs except for one. And uh, I think now, that I've, you know, realized what my uh, abilities are, I think I'll probably be doing a lot more in the future because, you know. Then doing this album has brought out something that you never knew you had. I'm sure each of the albums are going to bring out one side of, of all of us that none of us never knew we had. I think it's just going to make us all better as one unit. Shock Me is such an extraordinary tune. How did you feel when it became such a huge success? I could... Yeah, that was the first uh, 
Absolutely, bro. I, I'll never forget the first night when we when we did that tour, and the guy said, "You got to do Shock Me Live," and I was really nervous. <laughs> you had to get up in front of twenty thousand people and sing lead, and I never had before. So. But I, you know, I, I just tried not to think about it, and it just happened. You know, it came natural. Well, now you've really established yourself in just about every phase of rock and roll. Don't you agree? I would say I'm more confident now as a singer and guitar player than I've ever been in my life, probably. A lot of the insecurities have gone away that I've had in the past. Ace, it's hard to believe that anyone who has reached your degree of success could have felt insecure. Everybody's insecure in their own. Well, see, I, I'm never satisfied with what I do. You know, I'll say it's good, even, and I do do some good guitar work, but I always want to strive for a higher level. A lot of times I can't, you know, a lot of times playing live, all of us have to give up a little musicianship for jumping up in the air and doing a flip or whatever. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, I'm, you know I, I'm sure I could play more proficient live if I stood still and, and never had to do any choreography. And, you know, you give, you give a little, and you, it's a give and take situation. It's like everything. You gotta, you gotta give up something to gain something else. How did you decide to become a professional musician? Oh yeah, most of the English, you know, the English rock invasion affected me uh, in a very positive way. You know, I really thought that they had it, you know, had the right idea. Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, uh, Peter Townsend was a big influence on in me. When I, first, I saw the Who's first New York appearance at the Murray Decay show, and they were opening up for Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. And I was there with my friend, I was 16, 15 or 16 years old, and he threw his guitar 20 feet in the air and caught it and a smoke bomb went off. I said, this is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. This, I want to do the same thing. I'll bet you never thought you would make it. Oh, I really did. In fact, it was that point in my life where I was kind of... I'd always been a, wanted to be a commercial artist. You know, I designed the KISS logo, and I've designed other, other things for people. You know, I, I, my specialty is logos. I'm into lettering and all that kind of stuff and layout work. And uh, when I was around 16, you know, that was a point in my life where I said, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to go to art school and really seriously become a commercial artist? Do I want to be a rock and roller? And after seeing, you know, the Who Live, they, they really made the decision. <laughs> and it's pretty, pretty inspiring, that, that type of... The, theatrics mixed with rock and roll always excited me the most, you know. I mean, good rock and roll is good rock and roll, but when you can mix it with a theatrical show and make, and make it that much more exciting, that's what really... That's, what, that's probably the whole... You know, the whole thing that makes KISS work.
Is there a part of you that will always think like Kiss? Well, I, the answer to that is obvious. I mean, it has to, some of it has to rub off, you know, even if you try to block it out of your mind. I mean, we're becoming an institution at this point. And, you know, even subconsciously when I write material, you know, sometimes it comes out of, well, you know, I'm a rock and roller, you know, and Kiss is rock and roll. Here is the first hit off the Kiss album, Ace Fraley. Ace is in the New York groove. Frailer, Peter Chris, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. The Kiss Albums, available now from Casablanca Records and Entertainment. I'm David Wills. Thank you for joining us. Next time, we'll discuss one of the best-selling albums of all time, Magic Moments from The Tonight Show, with our special guest, Doc Severinsen. That'll be next time on the next Casablanca Radio Special. There is nothing new under the sun, but under the small green fourth moon of Yavin.
there is quite a different story. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present Star Wars. Luke Skywalker is on a daring mission to rescue a beautiful princess, and all he needs is a little help from his friends. Han Solo, space pirate, and Chewie, his giant Wookiee, C-3PO, human relations cyborg, and his counterpart R2-D2, and the mysterious Jedi Knight. Never before in the history of movies has so much time and technology been spent just for fun. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. You're listening to KISS, Los Angeles. Dan Hill headlines a superstar collection. Sometimes These are the hot ones. A colossal double album from KTEL featuring number one from Yvonne Element. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podkist is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, Thank you for listening to Podkiss, the Kiss fanzine for your ears. <laughs>